for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is Thursday, April 15th, 2021. Reed yeah, hi. is here. Hi. As am I, Lee. Uh, we're dealing with the biggest snowfall of the year uh, this week. Did you know that? And it's uh, it's hardly snow. It's like wet fucking sand, man. Uh, so Well, I hate Stanley. Yeah, I hate it. It's coarse. It fucking gets everywhere. And I gotta <laughs> lift it with a shovel and nearly spill my guts all over the ground. Speaking of spilling my guts... Uh, have you tried Rain Energy Drink, or are you, are you strictly off of sippies at this point? I'm off of the energy drink sippies strictly at this point, for sure. Damn. Well, you're missing out, because uh, I finally bit the bullet here and uh, got the Rain Orange Dreamsicle Energy Drink. Orange Dreamsicle. Uh, Dreamsicle, which is like a creamsicle, as far as I can tell. What's most interesting is that the, the liquid is clear. That's weird. a little weird and off-putting. Uh, but it, it appears to just have an ass load of caffeine like a Jolt Cola used to versus having taurine and all that stuff that we don't know what will do to our bodies in uh, 30 years from now. <laughs> um, but big recommend on this flavor. And they have a bunch of weird fucking flavors. So try uh, try it out. I don't know if this is like a Canada-specific thing or, or where this came from or if it has anything to do with Roman Reigns. But either way. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this energy drink feels like they're really pushing it on me and I don't want it. Dana. Yeah, like, like, uh, <laughs> just like the burnout guy playing Call of Duty, just like takes a hit off a bong and then just like cracks open a rain energy and takes a sip. The camera zooms in on him and then pulls back and he's just like a beautiful Samoan man wearing body armor. <laughs> uh, just goes and ravishes his girlfriend or something believe like that. Read last week. <laughs> yeah, be- believe that. Uh, last week, I wanted to talk about game difficulty. Okay. Because I think it's a really interesting uh, uh, subject, especially with someone like you who, uh, who, t- who tends to play games on a higher difficulty or enjoys games that are generally difficult, like, ah, say, the Souls series. Yes and no. Like, I would say the only really games that have gone out of my way that are difficult as fuck is the Dark Souls series. Uh, I would say most games I just play on normal difficulty, to be honest. Like, I'm not, I'm not nothing special. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the what the stats break down to. I don't know what the most people are playing. You, you're assuming that normal difficulty, regular difficulty, is the most selected difficulty out there. Yeah, I would have uh, to hope so because like whatever I, whenever I see the normal difficulty option, I have to assume that this is what like they tune the game. For. Yeah, this is what the yeah. regular game experience ideally is like. For sure. Okay, so that's a perfect uh, diving board here. So. Video games, unlike any other medium, requires you to, in most cases, interact or accomplish something to experience the narrative. Uh, In movies, your fat ass just sits on the couch and eats snacks, and the movie just happens to you. Uh, There's no hard version of the movie, unless you want to consider Zack Snyder's The Justice League (laughs) cut. To be the hard version Fucking of Justice League. Raid I guess you boss, could. dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with, uh, then there's comic books where the only, again, it's, it's narratively based and the only uh, thing guarding entry is they're very self-referential and will quickly reference things that happened in other books sometimes years and years ago that you maybe uh, have to do some research for to fully understand. That's, but when it comes to video games... Uh, their difficulty runs the gambit, obviously. You have uh, narrative-based action games where typically nowadays they'll give you like a story mode, which is like, hey, minimal difficulty uh, in terms of the the actual gameplay segments. This is for you to just you know, have some fun and bounce from cutscene to cutscene. Then you have like your regular or your like 
everybody calls it different things. This is like, it's there's no standard anymore for what difficulty means. Uh, but your normal difficulty, which is like challenging gameplay, maybe the fine-tuned, what the developers are putting forward as what they view as their vision of the game. Uh, and then, of course, you have increased difficulties, and that means different things across different games. We'll get to that in a second. The reason I was bringing this up is it was coming up again that Twitch streamers, who make their living uh, playing video games, come under fire for playing games wrong, quote-unquote, for dropping that difficulty, uh, say, from a normal to a story mode. And, of course, gatekeeping this, I feel, is, is completely stupid. Let anybody play on any difficulty they want. Uh, you could say that... I would be more invested watching someone play a video game if they were playing it at a higher difficulty or at a higher skill level. But if you're just watching the person for their personality and their thoughts on the game they're playing, then I don't feel it really matters. Do you have thoughts on this? No, I I don't think it matters. Like, like, if it matters as far as wanting to see what the game is like on hard difficulty, I guess. But, like, the fucking streamer doesn't like owe you like a certain play style or whatever no that's fucking stupid twitch is yeah, fucking it's... stupidly <laughs> <laughs> it could be argued as well that if they're performing if they are interacting with their chat if they are trying to be entertaining outside of the game they are playing that dropping to a lower difficulty is almost a necessity uh j just so there is less of skill and less of focus being pulled by the game right something I, you're doing your gamer face and like biting your tongue and like i got hold on guys i gotta get through this yeah fucking and, shit I, and i think there's this weird assumption that all people who stream on twitch are amazing at video games which is not the fucking case like just yeah which is absolutely not the case <laughs> yeah just fucking let them do what they want who gives a shit right different strokes for different folks some people are popular twitch, stream twitch streamers just because they are good at something right yeah like you get good enough at fortnite and people will watch you play it even if you are seemingly kind of a dirtbag yep absolutely that's, that's true um so do you prefer being able to curate your difficulty experience or do you prefer something like a dark souls where no there is no difficulty the game is the game and you have to find your way through it, but everyone's experiencing it the same. Uh, I don't really have a preference, to be honest. Um, I never really thought about that much, to be honest. Uh, it's never been an issue before for me. Like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you here. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, the question, the question with the Souls games has always been, I it, they could potentially they've plateaued in popularity just because of that difficulty curve that if people could experience the full lore and bosses and environments of say Bloodborne uh if they suck at games oh then maybe that that we'd be playing Bloodborne 2 already based on how fucking successful that right. game would be but Dark Dark Souls in my opinion is a bit is a, is a bit of a different case because an outlier. It's not it's not difficult because the enemies are like have high armor counts or because turning up the difficulty would create more mobs. Uh, it's just because they have high damage. That's it. That's the only thing that's difficult about Dark Souls is the high damage the characters give out. So, like how how punishing it is, rather. Yeah. So if you lowered yeah. the difficulty of Dark Souls, and that would just mean lowering the damage that comes from the enemies, it just cheapens the entire experience at that point. Because now you don't need to use items, you don't need to wear certain armor or like optimize your build. You don't need to really give a shit about the dodge button because you'll just take hits, and who gives a shit? Uh, it's it's crucial to the experience of Dark Souls. Dark Souls is built around that difficulty as opposed to that difficulty coming in post-production, which is different in a game like Skyrim where they're just like, 
Okay, now we'll just add a difficulty slider, but all it does is increase health of enemies and the damage they give off. That's it. Um, it's kind of like the argument of like knowledge versus skill, right? Because yeah. when you see someone speed run a Dark Souls game, they know exactly where to stand. They know exactly what the boss is going to do when it starts to, to animate, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I said, if you, if you change anything about that Dark Souls experience as far as enemy damage goes and output like that, it just... It just doesn't make it what Dark Souls was made to be, which is more of like a gauntlet than it is an action-adventure game, kind of, in a lot of respects. Right. Uh, and it's too late now. Yeah. Like, I, if they were going to do that. <laughs> yeah, and then in a game like Skyrim, like I said, with the sliding difficulty thing, I think that's also totally fine. I think there's lots of people out there that want to have that very, though those fucking bullet sponge bosses so they can really test out their weapons and in the same case, I think there's lots of players out there who love Skyrim on easy difficulty so they can, you know, have that power trip, one-shot enemies, go through dungeons, and explore the city at an even pace. So, yeah, I don't really have any strong thoughts. I think uh, I think there's strong arguments to be made for uh, static difficulty and uh, difficulty options. I think they're both good. Definitely. Uh, this kind of wraps back around to Out- Outriders and its tiered difficulty system. I think I'm at, like, tier 8 or something now. And in that game... Uh, you know, you're able to wear gear four levels above your own, you get rarer drops, and the enemies are going to be more difficult overall, meaning that you will hit a wall at some point where the enemies are just so much more powerful than you, and it's the same thing, it's they're doing damage, uh, and it quickly becomes in that game about, okay, adapting, moving, you have to keep moving, It's it, you're going to take, take damage, but you have to deal as much as you take, and uh, Minecraft Dungeons I keep bringing up as a, a more recent example, but Diablo has this uh, this system as well, where it's just like, yeah, you can artificially inflate the uh, the difficulty, which is us just leveling up the world around you, as if it, it's not saying that the enemies are doing anything different. Uh, it's just saying that if you were level 20 instead of 16, these enemies would be an even match. But what if you took them on four levels too early? But don't worry, you'll be able to wear the gear you're picking up, but you won't have as many abilities, you won't have that kind of stuff. I really like uh, that kind of difficulty in a game, the, the risk-reward. And being able to to toggle that off. So, like, not even saying, oh, I need to drop this to easy mode. But it's like, oh, I need to drop this to world tiers. Uh, because I can reliably clear stuff on 6 by myself. But on 8, it becomes a little dicey. Or or from uh, engagement to engagement, so to speak. But when you think about it, like, old JRPGs. Like, old Final Fantasies. Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 8. In many ways, that that difficulty, the the punishment, the etc. Coming across a boss you aren't ready for. Say, in Final Fantasy Tactics. Um... Because you haven't played the game before or something like that. And the game's just like, no, 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 you should have you grinded more. Is probably the most si- similar to a Dark Souls. Is having that knowledge of the boss you're going to fight. And knowing that I need to increase my stats a little bit here. Because my skill isn't enough to back up uh, what I got going on here, I feel. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, man. What is the hardest... I guess you're going to just say uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. I was going to say, what is the hardest JRPG? Yeah, it'd be Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the one. That's the, the hardest JRPG one. boss would actually be the demi-fiend from Nocturne that you fight in Digital Devil Saga, who's a complete asshole. Right. The uh, the thing with the, the Bethesda game difficulty, and let's talk about Oblivion, which literally has a slider. Like, it literally has just a... Move the slider on the thing. You would consider the middle of this this slider to be normal difficulty. And then you can make it easier or harder. Uh, whereas something like Outriders, and it's apples to oranges here, 
is better than that is in Oblivion, you'll feel yourself getting stronger as you build your character, but you'll never know how strong you actually are compared to how the game is quote unquote meant to be played, where you're where you're meant to be. Uh, which is why I always like hardcore modes or survival modes in Bethesda games, because it's like, no, 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 again, like the Dark Souls thing, everyone's on an even playing field, you're building your character to deal with these situations uh, that everybody would be equally dealing with. Whereas in Oblivion, again, you can just crank that difficulty down, and who is to say how much damage your sword really does? I don't know. I've played tons of hours of all of these games, so clearly it doesn't affect me too much. But. <laughs> Reed? Have you played any video games this week? Uh, yeah, still mostly trucking along with Warzone. Just having having fun with that, doing Warzone things. And oh yeah, anything it, new in that game? Uh, not clearly, to be honest. Same old bullshit that you love and expect. Uh, <laughs> besides that, I have been just I completely dropped Outriders. I'm getting that shit refunded. I haven't even been on Steam to get it refunded because I'm so lazy. Um, That's lazy. Yeah, really lazy. just like you it, need some rain and a streak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the the shooting of destiny to keep me coming back. Um, the story is unsatisfactory. The fact that I can't easily play with friends on an even playing field is a really big turnoff because uh, that's mostly when I want to play this game is with other people. Uh, so fuck it, I'm just gonna drop it, and I've been playing lots of Pokemon instead. Tons of Pokemon. It made a fucking oh no. Made a rain team. It's good times. I'm seven and one in this season's ranked. I am doing a shit ton of double battles and ranked battles. I'm gonna get into doubles now because that's the VGC format. And uh, yeah, having a good fucking time, man. That's about it though. Not nothing too exciting for me. So what's uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield? I assume we're talking about here. Well, of course. What do you? What's the loop? What? Do, where do you hang out in that game at the end game? Like how do you, is there a battle tower in that game? There must be. Uh, what well, what do you what how, do you, how do you get the items you need for competitive? Oh, like man, that happened like hundreds. BP, how do you yeah, that, how do you do it? That happened <laughs> hundreds of hours ago, Lee. Um well, very easily. Like show so much I remember of that game. Yeah, if like if you want to be kind of a bitch about it, you can like you know I do. grind the battle tower or some other shit to get BP, but if you were smart like me, uh, you would just get it from season rewards from the ranked. After you're done ranked, they usually give you like 100 BP, 200, depending on what rank you get. I got Ultra Ball one year, and they gave me like fucking 400. Forget about wow. it. Um, and then Pokemon Home. Um, I stole. I stored like over a thousand Pokemon for like a good six months, and it gave me like 500 free BP. Uh, so you can easily buy all the competitive items you want for 50 BP, so that's it. Like I said, this happened hundreds of hours ago for me, Lee. <laughs> if we're talking about, like, a gameplay loop at this point, it's not like I'm physically going anywhere. It's mostly deciding if I think a Pokemon's cool, if I want to make a, a competitive version of it, that's basically it. And then I will. I'll go through the entire braiding process, leveling up to 100, all that shit until it's ready. And then I do lots more link battles and ranked battles. So I would say... Is it... What? Yeah, sorry. I do like... I was going to say, is it acceptable at this point that you can't just move your fucking assault vest from one game to another, though? Yeah. Like, I understand why that would be frustrating, but, like, it's so easy to get it anyway that it's, like, who really gives a shit, to be honest? Like... It's easy to get new Pokemon as well, I guess, but it's it's all about your time, right? Yeah, I like like I said, you can get hundreds of BP for literally doing nothing through home or through the ranked uh, season rewards after you're done playing a little bit of ranked. 
So I don't think it's an issue whatsoever because you get so much BP for free. Like I have like hundreds right now. I'm yeah. not using on anything, so I don't really care. So we were talking about this yesterday, and then it kind of also coattails into the uh, the difficulty such the thing is just that in the battle tower at very least, what is the excuse at this point for not having higher difficulty battle tower matches where they use like human esque strategy? You know what I mean? Um. What's the excuse? How could, there's been so many games. There's been can so many games make, with battle towers. And there's make, been so many competitive games. Can they make that uh, smart of AI that can mimic a competitive human Pokemon player? Uh, why not? Like it's that the can, setup. It's the you're doing the same motions every time. You're like, I'm gonna set this up. If something goes wrong, this is what I do next. Why can't the AI be taught that? Yeah, I guess so. I think that's what competitive is there. For. Or um, I'm not looking to play against those... Like, I can't comment on this because I don't like playing against computer players, especially if it's going to be competitive. I want to play against other humans. I find that much more exciting. Right, uh, but what if there was, like... You have, you're running into a bunch of people this season that are using a certain setup, and there was a way to reliably, with AI, practice so it's not hurting your rank or your, your player rank. You can just practice against a CPU that is going to use that strategy against you. Yeah, I, I guess... Um, with with the tools of Pokemon Showdown, especially, that's becoming more and more unnecessary. Um, <laughs> let, let other people do it. Nintendo's just like, well, ah, fuck it's it. been it's a somewhere. thing for so long. It's been a website <laughs> for years and years. Lee. Um, yeah, I don't it's know. not an excuse for Nintendo, though. Yeah, like I I get it. Yeah. It's just it's not a problem for me, so I can't be like I can't be upset about it if it's not my problem. Like I don't really give a shit about that. Like I. What I want out of the game is to battle other humans online competitively, and that's what I'm doing. So I'm wholly satisfied at the moment. <laughs> there you have it. Reed is wholly satisfied by Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Sword, Shield. Uh, it was Diamond Pearl Remix right later this year, so that'll be my grand return. Uh, I thought the other day of popping Pokemon yeah, Sword uh, into my Switch, and then I thought better of it. I, I'm curious <laughs> if, like, Diamond and Pearl is... Because when's Legends Arceus coming out? Or that's, that's, like, next year or some shit. Like, okay. next spring or so something. So that's yeah. not for a long time. Because I'm curious if that's going to be, like, have legit battling on it, or if it's more of, like, an XD Gale of Darkness situation where it's like, no, it's, like, its own own thing. Yeah. I don't know. Or... I think the idea is to, they haven't shown it yet, but to have seamless battles. So you're out in the open world and you see a Pokemon wandering, and I, I'm not, like like say the wild areas of Sword and Shield, and at that point you can select your your Pokemon and throw it on the spot, and then you run up to that Pokemon with your Pokemon right. and battle it I'm not, like an MMO. Yeah, I'm saying more like I'm curious if it's going to have like the breeding, the EVs, the IVs, all that shit, and I don't think it's going to. I <laughs> I reluctantly probably agree with you <laughs> i think it's like hey we're doing a new thing so don't expect the old things uh is basically their their mantra at this point yeah put all the fucking pokemon in there that pokemon snap game looks fucking sick that's out in like 15 days <laughs> i think you were uh I th- you, you may have, well, it's like 1997 i think it was or 96 was when the first pokemon snap came out man and fucking blew everyone's mind <laughs> yeah sure it was the first time we saw a 3d pokemon game we didn't know what to make of it other than Pikachu and Jigglypuff and Smash. So, uh, was that all you played this week? Yep. I had, like I said, nothing too exciting for me. I played that, uh, played that Pac-Man 99. Cool. <laughs> yeah, woo! <laughs> uh, the latest offering uh, from Nintendo's online service. They are selling a DLC that allows you to do, like, score attack, time attack, and, like, other modes in this game. Uh, but otherwise, it is you versus 98 other people playing Pac-Man. 
Uh, it is not old school Pac-Man. It is more like the Championship Edition Pac-Man, meaning it is a lot of fun. Uh, what's cool is when you eat a ghost, it sends a ghost Pac-Man to your opponent. You can kind of choose who to target. And then that Pac-Man runs around their maze, and if they go over it, it slows them down for a split second. Which doesn't sound like too bad of a thing, but let me tell you, it gets pretty hectic on the screen. When you grab a power pellet, it kills all of those ghosts, and then you are able to, of course, eat the ghost. You can do ghost trains like you can in Championship Edition. Uh, Championship Edition is basically like drug Pac-Man. It's just like crazy... Uh, fluorescent lights flashing at you, lots of sounds, lots of cool stuff, and is an, is genuinely a easier game to play than original uh, like arcade Pac-Man. So it's free if you have the online service. So I highly recommend you go check out Pac-Man '99. The the UI and the packaging of it seems a bit rushed or rough around the edges, uh, but the game is uh, is solid. And then of course, Reed, I've been playing too much Outriders. Uh, I stuck with it. I have not played in a group yet. I have only played solo. I've done all the side quests up to the point. I'm at level like 18 or 19. Uh, and like I said, I'm at world tier 8 now. When you get to about world tier 7, it really slows down on you unlocking them. So there are several world tiers of difficulty that are, are probably like end game content that you're going to have to grind to actually even unlock. Uh, but each time you go up a tier, of course, you get rarer gear. And why that's important is uh, that's how you unlock the mods in the game. So once you start getting purple gear, they'll start to have two mods on them. Uh, so you're unlocking them twice as fast. Uh, then you start getting the uh, the Tier 2 and Tier 3 mods. And like I was trying to say last week, that's when the game kind of hits its stride. Uh, that the shooting becomes secondary uh, and is really just a way to, to crowd control while you wait for your abilities to respawn. Um, and I've gone full attack now. It's just, it's just full-on anomaly powers and uh, murdering people, turning them into skeletons as quickly as possible. And uh, I don't even use the cover button anymore. You might as well take the fucking 8 button off the controller. Because at this point, I'm just a whirling dervish of, of death. And that game's okay. Let me tell you, though, the writing never gets better. Oh, I, do, uh, I do not doubt that whatsoever. And <laughs> as, you, uh, as you progress through the campaign, you are introduced to more and more uh, factions <laughs> of, like, losers that are on the fringe and, and living... Uh, yeah, yeah, this guy doesn't like that guy. And these guys don't like these... I'm like, it's been 31 fucking years. How did you put up so many shanty towns? And, and claim that you are all separate nations in this hundred square kilometers of a valley. But I digress. That game's pretty okay. If you aren't paying for it and it's on Game Pass. <laughs> like 40 bucks? 40, 50 bucks for that game? Probably fine if you're, if you're a fan of these kinds of games. I do have to say, though, the loot is decent. It's better than Avengers. And aside from the flying, it's fucking night and day better than Anthem. And uh, we're not even talking about Godfall. That, that game doesn't even get mentioned on this podcast Fuck anymore. It's no. a fucking what a piece of what a piece of garbage. Fuck. <laughs> did we talk about last week? The we did talk about the Last of Us remastered remake, right? Yeah, how fucking pointless it is. Another pointless. So, time. Sony is more or less restructuring itself. Uh, they they closed down the Japan studios, which are responsible for some of Sony's lesser games. In the mix of this conversation is Days Gone. And that they pitched a Days Gone 2, and it was kind of like, eh, we're good. <laughs> uh, and how that that has something to do with now Last of Us Remastered being made, and them apparently focusing on huge blockbuster games. And that the Sony of old that did those games, but also did your lesser indie or, uh, you know... This is basically what Microsoft did going into the Xbox One. They decided we're not going to do the lesser stuff anymore. We're going to focus on our tentpole IPs in Gears of War and Halo and blah, blah, blah. And look how well that worked out for them. And uh, with Sony, at least, th those games are, in fact, Spider-Man and Last of Us and God of War and stuff like this. All these g excellent games that we are, of course, 
highly anticipating and waiting to play. Uh, but they've cut out the, the... Again, it's the stuff that I don't know that you engage with too much, but Annapurna uh, is a video game developer publisher, and they've been doing Donut County and all those kind of games. These are games that I think really bolster uh, a, a Sony a PlayStation offering, having those lesser maybe artsy games being offered or, or just in the in the talk of things. Otherwise, everything just becomes huge blockbusters and you become the MCU. You become what Hollywood has become, where it's just like, we're not going to take a chance on the new thing or the lesser thing that could be, ra- you know, could raise up to a tentpole franchise. We are instead going to... And uh, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, again, I don't know that you engage too much with those, those other lesser games, but... Like... I, I would say I do play some games that aren't AAA blockbusters, but I don't play anything necessarily too indie or, uh, like I've said before on this podcast, anything too gimmicky. I like stories, I sure. like characters, I like games I can sink my teeth into. I don't like arcade games that I play for five minutes and then put down, and it's the same thing every time. It's just not my bag of tricks. So it won't affect me that much because I don't give a fuck about Donut Country, whatever dumb game that is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just yeah. the first one that came to mind. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Xbox is just buying it all up and putting it on Game Pass. So Nintendo, it's the only place we can turn for the uh, the good old fashioned stuff for an online service that doesn't fucking work. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Konami's getting back in the game business uh, during an indie collection video stream thing that Nintendo did yesterday. Uh, they announced that Getsu Fumaden, Undying Moon, uh, a surprise sequel to the 1987 Famicom game, will be coming. And I don't know if you've seen uh, the trailer for this. I don't know why you would have. But if you do, it looks fucking rad as hell. It's a 2D action game. Uh, Castlevania-style structure. Uh, Miramasa comes to mind when I when I look at it. The bosses look fucking sick. So that's pretty exciting that Konami is making games. Maybe we'll get a Metal Gear Survive too. Metal Gear 6. And it, fucking, you're... But the 6 is a snake. Yeah, you, yeah yes. <laughs> you play six different snakes. Naked snake, bare naked snake. Clothed, naked snake. A clothed snake. Uh, Days Gone's coming to the PC on May 18th. Oh, yeah. If you play Days Gone again, I will too. I'm not going to, trust me. I didn't finish Listen, it. Sony's only going to be making these tentpole games for you. Yeah. If we get a Days Gone 2, we're going to want to know I didn't even, what happened. I got like halfway through the fucking first one, and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to fucking shoot you in the face now, won't I? Yeah. <laughs> that shit was so fucking weird it was like the recording because he would say something like normal volume and then he would slip into his like under his breath talking about something he saw in the world and it was like unclear if we were supposed to be hearing his thoughts right if he was legitimately riding on this motorcycle being like yeah it's it's because they grabbed sam witwer like mid clone wars recording so he still thinks that he's acting like always in scenes in context with other actors and settings but he doesn't remember that you're in a fucking video game and that your narration voice should always be consistent so he comes in if you ever seen sam witwer perform darth maul behind the scenes this dude's very animated and into this shit so like you can imagine when he read this script in his head it plays out one way and then when it's actually on the screen it's a different way and i think that's where the 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 weirdness comes from Hope you ride me like you ride your motorcycle. 
during like, your wedding? Like for <laughs> yeah, like for what eight hours, and it's fucking sweaty and like awful for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you ride me like you ride your motorcycle, sweaty and awful for everybody with sixteen of your best friends. Uh, so Days Gone, a Days Gone is not a bad game. It's, 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 fine. Is, is fine. it's fine. It's fine. Perfectly fine. It's right uh, up it's there neat. with Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I've I've had such a I feel, I'm like, ugh, I just want to, like, an open-world fuck-around game, and, like, Days Gone keeps calling my name. I'm like, god damn, I do not need to play fucking Days no, Gone. No, you need to play Witcher I did get 3, dude, come on. What's that, Witcher 3? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't want it. Yeah, you got it, it's good. 400 hours. It's uh, fucking good, though. Like, Yakuza 3 is not the open-world game that the previous games are, Wait, right? so, so, weird anecdote. So yesterday, coworker is like they're not playing Cyberpunk, but they're watching it, and like they go into thinking this, about yeah, it. Yeah, they go into this random video, and it's the fucking it's the cross part where he's getting nailed to a cross. Oh boy! And she, yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's like, what the fuck is this? Like, like what was the point of this? Was it trying to tell me something? Like, was it trying to make me uncomfortable? Like, what was it? I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't fucking know about that quest. I don't understand it either. This is the same company that released Witcher 3 with quests where your body's inhabited by a ghost and that ghost goes to a party to fucking drink and it's like the best. And then you go to Cyberpunk and you're nailing this fucking dude to a cross after he's murdered kids or some shit. Like it's, what the fuck is up with that mission, dude? What's up with Cyberpunk 2077? Let's talk, you know what? I don't think we've talked about it. Like a four hour podcast out there about it. No, the, the problem with Cyberpunk is it's not done. And uh, now, instead of focusing on finishing it, they are focusing on fixing it. Right, so and, it makes uh, me wonder... If they've they, made if big they, strides in fixing if, it, but... If they finished this game the way they wanted, how would nailing this dude on the cross have played out? Because it makes no fucking sense when I keep thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it there, and we'll fix it later. We'll change it. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And they ship the game, and it's just there. And it's just like, oh, oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... Whoa. Read. Yeah. Do your best from yesterday evening to in 20 minutes recount from memory Peace Walker, Ground Zeroes, and Metal Gear Solid V. <laughs> Without further ado, here is Reed stumbling through that those fucking games because they're weird. Hey, Reed here with the final summary of the public beta podcast Metal Gear Solid series and Metal Gear Solid V. Uh, here I'm briefly going to be touching upon Peace Walker and then going directly into Ground Zeroes and Metal Gear Solid V. Uh, this time I thought it'd be interesting if I didn't like look up a summary or remind myself about anything and try to do this completely off memory or at least how I interpreted it. Um, Peace Walker, as far as what we need to know from Metal Gear Solid Five, besides the fact what like the really crucial stuff, not like the little references to everything, the really crucial things we need to know is that Big Boss went out and essentially created a mercenary group, the Military Sans Frontiers, I think they were called. Um, and they're, yeah, they're a mercenary group. They were soldiers without borders. Like, they didn't have any nation affiliation. Uh, and in Metal, in Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, you essentially create uh, your own army by re- by recruiting people and you make a big mother base and you eventually make a metal gear, uh, that doesn't really play into anything after the fact. Um, you have two recruits that you pick along the way, Chico and Paz. 
Uh, in Peace Walker Pass turns heel and turns out to be a cipher agent, cipher being code word for uh, the Patriots, essentially, before they're... I like to think about it, it nothing ever confirms this, as far as the can's concerned about what exactly the cipher stops calling themselves cipher and starts calling themselves the Patriots. But I like to think about it when the AI fully take over is when they start calling themselves the Patriots as opposed to cipher. Anyway, Paz is like, I, she turns heel essentially, but then she doesn't, as far as we're concerned from Elgar Solid V, who gives a shit? She doesn't turn heel. Um, so from Elgar Solid Ground Zeroes, you essentially pick up right where Peace Walker left off in that sense. Um, basically, Paz and Chico are both kidnapped and sent to this XOF base. Uh, and you're sent there, Big Boss. You're playing Big Boss. Of course you are. This is Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. Um, and you go there to go rescue them. Uh, Chico is, like, has, a, like, a fucking headphone jack in his chest or something. Like, he's all kinds of fucked up. I mean, you're not really worried about him. You're going in looking for Paz, because Paz knows a lot about Cypher and Mother Base, and she spent times at both. Uh bunch of shit happens um also when you're at mother base uh no 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 that doesn't happen at mother base yet but whatever you're at this fucking place you rescue you got paz you rescue her and you put her in the helicopter and as you're flying away in the helicopter you're with miller who's like your right hand man and was your right hand man at mother base and in peace walker as well holy shit a lot of co-words in this fucking game um, so Miller, yes, who you might remember is Master Miller from Elgar Solid 1, who was not actually alive, that was liquid the whole time, anyway, he's like your right-hand man, he's in the helicopter with you as you're taking Paz away, and you realize that, shit, there's a fucking bomb inserted in her chest, and the medic is like, oh, fuck, there's a bomb in her chest, so, like, she blows up, and the helicopter blows up, and this is after, by the way, Mother Base... Uh, while you were rescuing Paz, Mother Base got fucked up big time by this XOF group that you're at. And, yeah, so that's basically Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes, is you rescue Paz, but she blows up in the helicopter with you, and Mother Base gets blown up, along with all the soldiers, by XOF. Also, during this section, you see the first sight of Skullface, who's like, the dumbest fucking Metal Gear Solid villain, kinda. Like, like he's not bad, but, like, where this is this is part of a bigger problem I have with Metal Gear Solid V, but like he doesn't like fucking speak like a regular person. That's what pisses me off. Uh, and he looks kind of silly, but he also looks kind of fucking badass. Um, and yeah, he's like the leader. We don't really know much about him at this point. So this goes right into Metal Gear Solid V, the Phantom Pain, easily the best play in Metal Gear Solid. But like. Man, I got problems with a lot of this game. So a lot of people contribute it with Konami not giving Kojima enough time to do what he wanted it to. Uh, a lot of people think that Kojima was just trying to do something different, yada, yada, yada. What it boils down to is a lot of the story, Metal Gear Solid V, I shouldn't say a lot of the story, but a lot of the fine details and the exposition is in tapes, audio tapes that you just listen to, rather than the typical fully length, uh, very long movie style cutscenes that we get in the prior things. So this is very different from Metal Gear Solid Four. Metal Gear Solid Four was like fucking twenty hours of cutscenes, and this has very little in the way of that. 
And when there are cutscenes, there isn't a shit ton of dialogue. A lot of that dialogue, like I said, is moved off to the mixtapes. Mixtapes. <laughs> so anyway, Metal Gear Solid V Phantom Pain picks off right where Ground Zero's left off. Where Big Boss got blown up in the helicopter. And you're waking up in the hospital as uh, a cover of David Bowie's Man Who Sold the World is playing. And you're looking around, and the doctor is like, hey, what's going on? Man, this mission's a pain in the ass when you're starting a new game, because it's like 30 minutes. It's really fucking cool the first time you're playing it. But like the third time, you're like, goddamn. Like, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, you're in the hospital, and a bunch of shit happens. Uh, and basically, the doctor's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta move you out. Uh, you gotta create your avatar here, and if you never played online, this would be like the weirdest part of the game. Uh, we got a movie out here, terrorists are here, and basically, a girl comes in and strangles him, and, uh, she goes to strangle you, but then, bam, she's tackled by this dude wrapped in bandages, and they start fucking fighting, and eventually, uh, your bandage guy lights her on fire, and she falls out the window. This dude approaches you. He sounds suspiciously like Kiefer Sutherland, who is the new voice of Big Boss, so he sounds exactly like you. Like, okay, let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just address the elephant in the room. Like, we all know that V is not actually Big Boss, and that he's just the medic that was in the helicopter. So I don't know how anybody didn't see this coming. When fucking Ishmael, yeah, the medic, this guy calls himself Ishmael, the guy in the bandages, he just goes, I'm you, and he has the exact same voice as your fucking character. Like, how no one immediately went, like, oh, yeah. Like, he's obviously, like, the real big boss, or, like, a clone, or, like, me, or some shit. Anyway, he escorts you through the hospital as, like, these armed dudes are going through here, killing everybody. Also, Psycho Mantis as a kid is here. You're like, huh? And then fucking Vulcan from Metal Gear Solid 3 is here, except he's, like, a fire demon. And yeah, that's pretty neat. That's what happens. You escape the hospital. Ishmael disappears. And then you come across Ocelot on a horse. You go on the horse with Ocelot. And you escape. Ocelot's like, we gotta go get Miller. We gotta we gotta reform this fucking mercenary group. We gotta get you back on your feet being a hero. He's not even asking what your fucking opinion is about all of this. Uh, so you guys go to Afghanistan? Yeah, Afghanistan which is currently occupied by the Russians and, and like the Mu, the Mu, Mu, the Mugak, the I can't pronounce it. Um, so yeah, you gotta go rescue Miller and man, this is where my memory gets really fucked up. So a lot of Metal Gear Solid 5 at this point is mission based and a lot of these missions, there isn't really anything um, subs- like there's all like little points that happen in the story, but nothing super big happens. So this is where my memory of the game gets really fucked up. And this is where I'm going to not remember a lot of things very clearly. Uh, so you rescue Miller. Miller has a bunch of lines. Like, I can still feel it. You can feel it too, right, boss? He's missing his fucking arm and leg. And you guys are like, let's rebuild Mother Base. You guys are now called Diamond Dogs. Uh, Ocelot got you guys kind of started, kick-started. And that's when the game really kicks in and you start start to build your base, recruit soldiers, and do missions. Um, Throughout these missions, uh, man, a bunch of shit happens. You take down a bunch of groups and you find a bunch of people and then eventually you're getting shot at by a sniper who is the assassin that attacked you 
in the hospital, except now she is half naked and sniping you. Uh, you eventually take her alive and you send her back to mother base. Uh, she won't speak no matter what. So everybody has called her quiet. So quiet's her name. Uh, eventually you learn that XOF is run by this dude named Skullface. That's who that guy was. Skullface is part of XOF, and XOF was a group that used to follow Fox, so they have some, like, weird tie to Metal Gear Solid 3 for some reason. They're, like, Zero's secret group that followed Fox and, like, behind the scenes. Like, I'm not going to remember how the game played out, so I'm just going to talk about, like, the canon of the game now, I guess. So basically what's going on in the rest of this game is Skullface wants to destroy the English language. Like, wow, what a concept. Um, So to do that, he investigates this guy named Kotalker. Kotalker has been investigating. He's like this old uh, Aboriginal man, and this is in South America or some shit. And he, like, investigates parasites. He's super into burgers. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, so using Kotalker and basically uh, these parasites that were with the end of Familiar Solid 3, uh, Skullface engineers, like, a vocal cord parasite that can target specific languages when spoken and will transmit to other people and then kill them upon speaking words of that language. Fucking crazy. So he like that. That's what Quiet has. She has that. That's what Skullface is wanting for her to infect everybody at Mother Base, like Big Boss's base. But she wouldn't do it. Um, but Mother Base got infected anyway, and Big Boss had to kill a bunch of his own men. And that's when they had that "I won't scatter your ashes into the heartless sea" scene. Uh, also during this game, Big Boss uh, rescues a bunch of child soldiers, and one of them is Eli, aka fucking Liquid Snake. And, like, during this mission, Big Boss is just punching little kids and shooting them with beanbag guns and, like, fucking rocket punches. It's hilarious. Uh, goddamn, what else happens in this game? Yeah, also, Skullface not only is doing the, the vocal, cord, vocal, cord, vocal cord parasites, he also has a Metal Gear, Metal Gear Soholanthropus, uh... I don't even remember why he needs this. Like, his goal was the vocal cold parasite to destroy the English language. It's what he wants to do. Because he's like, oh, it, the English language assimilates all languages and nationalities, and it's killed everything, got a yada symbolism. Uh, whoa. Um, so, like, so yeah, he's building a Solanthropist for some reason. I don't, don't remember why he needs it. It's a Metal Gear game, so he needs a Metal Gear, you know what I mean? Uh... Eventually, um, Psycho Mantis Kid shows again. It turns out he's the one, like, kind of controlling Vulcan, who's the fire demon. But fire demon Vulcan's just there because he's really mad at you and the whole motif of revenge of the game. Uh, Anyway, you stop Vulcan and kill him, and then you kill Skullface, and you shoot him a lot, and Miller is, like, really happy about it. Not only that, though... uh, during this game, you found Huey Emmerich's father. No, Hal Emmerich's father, Huey Emmerich, who's a piece of shit. And, like, he fucking locked his ex-wife in, like, a fridge uh, that housed the AI of the boss from Peace Walker. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. So, like, let her starve to death. And then, like, during this game, he fucking... Uh, 
What does he do? Um, yes, he's the one that gets everybody infected at Mother Base with the parasites, dude. So, fucking, yeah. So he's a huge piece of shit, and then he criticizes Snake for killing his own men because and it, is, it was the fucking infection he started, so they exile his ass. But this this happens after they kill Skullface, by the way. Hal shoots Skullface, too, and he goes, Sweet revenge! It's like the weirdest, dumbest cutscene Fucking Metal Gear Solid B, man. So weird. Um, so, yeah, all that shit happens. And then that's, like, the halfway of the game is when, like, you defeat the major villain and shit. So after that is, like, Eli basically steals Saw Lanthropus and you gotta get it back from him. Uh, Quiet, like, leaves the base because reasons. And then you go to rescue her and you get bit by a fucking snake. So Quiet has to rescue uh rescue you so she speaks on the radio for the first time and she dooms herself to rescue you uh you're immune for some fucking reason i think you have like a vaccine or some shit anyway yeah so quite fucking dies to rescue you uh man what else happens in this game besides that i feel like some yeah yeah the, the big reveal and shit so after all this stuff uh big boss uh, Venom Snake, whatever you want to call him, gets this tape, and it's the other, it's the real big boss that we talked to at the beginning, and he's like, you are you, and me are me, are you me, and I'm real? <laughs> What's, <laughs> like, so he basically says, like, hey, here's, here's the lowdown, like, you're Venom Snake, you're me, but you're actually the medic from the helicopter. He was hypnotized and given plastic surgery by Ocelot to believe that he is Big Boss. But from my interpretation, a lot of this is interpretive, by the way. Like, Metal Gear Solid V is purposely made that way, especially the ending cutscene, which we'll go into. But from my interpretation, like, he gave him hypnosis and plastic surgery to think he is Big Boss, to look like him, act like him, but also put in some of that Russian mind shit to make him a little bit subservient because he doesn't really question anything at any point. He's kind of just like, yeah, sure, rolling with the punches. Especially weird for a Metal Gear Solid character who always questions everything. Uh, maybe that's a kind of explanation for it. Um, so, yeah, that's really weird. So he's like, you're basically my figurehead and you're going to be out there like making sure everybody knows that I'm fucking being a badass and you're gonna be recruiting people and building up my legend while i'm fucking off and starting up zanzibar land so remember i said about interpretive stuff this is this is that part of it so while he's listening to this tape you'll see that it transitions from the diamond dogs logo to ever outer haven so as i like to interpret it anyway the real big boss is out there starting up zanzibar land you know what i mean seeing gray fox as a kid child soldiers all that shit, being stealthy. And then while during this, the Venom Snake has started to create Outer Haven, like the more antagonistic side of things, kind of. And he's creating the big mythos so that even when he dies, the real big boss will still have something to go back on. Um, so while he's saying this, Venom Snake punches the mirror, but then smiles and then walks away into the fog. People have debated hours on end what exactly this means, and no one knows. 
some people said that like he's pissed off at Big Boss for taking away who he was and his identity, but then walks off to accept his fate. People have seen it as dual personality, where what where he's punched in the mirror as Venom because it's his robot arm, and then he smiles as Big Boss because now that's who he is. Yada yada. Uh, so yeah, basically what happened here, if you want to go into more detail, is way back, Skullface sent Zero, he found Zero's secret super location because of Paz, and sent him a fucking letter, and it nicked goddamn Zero's finger when he opened it, and it gave him a fucking disease, so Zero was dying like mad crazy, and he went up to Signet, from Metal Gear Solid 3, the fun gun person, and he's like, build me fucking five AIs. And Signet's like, okay. And then by the time Metal Gear Solid 5 happened, he's like basically shitty, and he's like, all right, I'm going to die soon. And then they're like, hey, by the way, Big Boss got blowed up in the mother base, and he's looking real shitty. So then Zero's like, all right, Ocelot, you got to hypnotize this medic. And, like, make him be the real big boss. Well, the real big boss goes and makes Zanzibar land. Makes no fucking sense, kind of, when you think about it. Like, would big boss not just, like, do it? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Zero's, like, uh, hypnotize him. And, by the way, like, I'm going to be, like, super dead soon. And, like, until you stop it, like, Skullface is essentially going to be in charge of Cypher. For all intents and purposes. And that's basically what happens. Is Skullface is. But once you kill him. It, all the all the power kind of goes back to Signet. Who's like the de facto leader. While the AIs are getting perfected. So like Zero basically goes into a coma. After the events of Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, until we see him again in Metal Gear Solid 4. Signet is kind of running the Patriots for a few years. While the AI gets super powerful. And eventually they take over the organization completely. Signet becomes Donald Anderson. Um, and we see him in Metal Gear Solid 1. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Ocelot, yeah, Miller, by, yeah, Miller was super pissed about this plan because he's like, fucking big boss. Like, why would he just abandon us and lie to us and, like, be a piece of shit? And Ocelot's like, well, like, we got it because this is, like, he wants to achieve, like, I really like Big Boss, so I'm going to help him no matter what. And Miller's like, no, fuck, even if you like Big Boss a lot, that's bullshit. I'm going to train up his sons to be better than him, so he goes to chain Solid Snake. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's proof that Ocelot is, like, I'm just, like, I really just want to satisfy Big Boss. Um, and, yeah, Big Boss is... I get, like, that's the weird thing, is, like, they want you, like, this is, like, oh, this is how Big Boss becomes a villain, but he doesn't really do anything, like, evil in this game. Like, yeah, he kind of lies about his identity to his men, but, like, whatever. Uh, anyway, that's like your solid V. Uh, we're gonna go back to being Lee, talking about how awesome the game is now. Thanks, Reed. You're welcome. I think you did about as well. As anyone could. Uh, you also you also kept a lot of your uh, opinions to yourself. I found I thought you were going to get a head start on me and and completely tear down everything I was going to defend oh, in this portion I, of our I, Metal Gear I, conversation. I definitely wanted to, but I know we should keep uh, the good and the bad parts, the personal feelings in this section, so I could really dig deep into it. 
Uh, it's so I thought Jedi were forbidden to love. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> I would describe what it, Metal Gear Solid Five as unconditional love. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, uh, uh, I think it's. I think Metal Gear Solid Five is like I can't. It would have been like a whole other rant in that summary, but it's a weird game. Because narratively, absolutely. in narratively, I think it's absolutely bar none the fucking worst game. I think the dialogue is bad. I think the script is weird. I hate the decision to put most of the story context on tapes. I don't like the change of voice actors. Um, and I think generally the entire plot line, once you go through it, is fucking stupid and doesn't do anything for anybody, just like Mel Yourself 4 in lots of cases. I don't think this makes Big Boss a more interesting character. He, not to me. Because you're not even playing as fucking Big Boss this game. Um, well, you're playing as Big Boss from Metal Gear 1. Yeah, I think... Yeah, you're playing as Venom Snake, who's the medic from Peace Walker. Um, I think that Big Boss's character was more easily... Was more easy to interpret and understand without this game. You be, All you would have right. to do is... Metal Gear Solid 3 happens. He's disenfranchised with nations. Yeah. So he creates a mercenary group. Bing, bang, boom, done. Uh, this really complicates the canon. It tries to explain why the AI took over the Patriots when it didn't really need to. I don't think anybody was curious at all when they saw Zero Metal Gear Solid 4. I think that's all they needed to know about that. Right. Uh, but in saying all of that, goddamn, what a fucking video game. Like, easily the best action stealth game you want, whatever you want to call it, third-person action stealth Easily the best game ever made. It fucking blows Hitman, Splinter Cell, all the past Metal Gear Solids right out of the fucking water. You have a lot of finesse over your controls and executing things that that you just don't in other games. Like the the posi- how you can position your character in regards to I'm gonna lay on my back in this shed and this guy's gonna walk by. I'm gonna pop him in the head and when his buddy sees him drop, I'm gonna jump up to my feet and pop him quick or. I'm going to sneak and use my trinkets and and Fulton this motherfucker after he's tranquilized. Whatever. It's it, it's insane. The amount of stuff, the amount of tools the game gives you. Uh, it's, in terms of a sandbox, as you said, one of the best stealth action games uh, ever created. Yeah. That, that, that engine is just so fucking good. Yeah, which is that Fox engine. Yeah. And absolutely the possibilities that you can do in this game. If you go on YouTube and look up like crazy Metal Gear Solid 5 gameplay or whatever yeah. you want to call it. People Breath who are, of the wild level, yeah, pe- <laughs> weird shit. Yeah, yeah, people who are putting an entire circle of decoys around a guard to confuse them infinitely. People who are putting photons on <laughs> trucks and lifting them up at the precise moment to smoke a helicopter coming and dropping off reinforcements. Shooting off rocket arms to fucking punch kids in the face because it's hilarious. You already mentioned that one once. That's That stuck with you. Yeah, it, no, what other <laughs> game lets you just punch kids in the face? It's fucking hilarious. Um... Yeah, like, like, yeah, the and the weapon selection, the amount of attachments and different gadgets you can use, from cigars to C four to smoke grenades to different thermal goggles to the companions and vehicles you can equip and the customization that comes with them, and the fact that you can deploy most of anything while you're in the sandbox actually playing, uh, yeah. goddamn, what an immersive. Uh, fantastical military sim it is fantastical it takes place in the 80s but you're using tech that doesn't even fucking exist today it's kind of stupid 
Um, it's in keeping with the, like, military spy... T- like, he's got some, like, prototype shit from the Russians that never made it to mass production yeah. and shit like that. Like, yeah. It's, yeah it's, you know, so, I, I would think it'd be fair to say to talk about... Uh, we can talk about the story, I would say, next part. I think this is going to be a two-part discussion easily. Um, sure. But I think there's two main components for the gameplay, Lee. And that would be the actual, you know, Venom Snake sneaking, shooting, actual playing stuff and then you have your mother base sim creation uh yeah so they really expand upon this from peace walker in peace walker it was much more like you just kind of recruit dudes and like you can build some buildings but you can't do nothing tangible with it necessarily in this Mm -hmm. game you have a big living breathing fucking mother base that you can go to after all your missions and it's fully explorable and traversable by your character you can hang off the edges. You can take vehicles to your different routes. Cry, chop a guy down the stairs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so while you're playing as Venom Snake in Afghanistan or um, South Africa and taking care of, you know, all your mission stuff, you can get components and resources. You can then take those components and resources back to Mother Base to build new departments like R and D. Uh, the medic bay and all these places and they become struts that build off your main one and then you can build sub struts on those to make it a huge sprawling mother base um yeah yeah. yeah. and what's even cooler is that all the enemies that you find while actually playing the game are recruitable um if you knock them out in a non-lethal way you can full tom them up to the sky with a balloon and they will show back up at actual mother base where you can send... It cannot be understated how often you will be Fultoning things. Yeah, you do this a lot because you want dudes with yeah. high stats for the different departments that you have. So if you find a dude with an S ranking in R&D, you want to grab him so you can throw him in your R&D department because that will build experience and more quickly build up upgrades. Uh, you can send all these dudes on missions to give you extra money and resources because that's what a lot of the end game comes down to is really reinforcing yeah. other base. And doing a lot of the online components, which I think we can get into later. Um, yeah, uh, like that's the stuff that kept me playing the game for so long is just like seeing the numbers go up, and then the FOB stuff where you can like send your guys to invade, yeah, uh, other people's bases and fuck them up, and then like because you're playing so much, like if you play that game enough, you can make your defenses such that you are fucking with other people and not really worried about it coming back the other direction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then there was the whole thing where I mean, let's let's dial it all the way back. Why does this game exist? Every Metal Gear Solid game since Metal Gear Solid Two, we have said Hideo Kojima wants out. He doesn't want to make any more of these games, or if he does, he wants to hand it off to somebody else and just be there as an advisor. But here we are, Metal Gear Solid V, and uh, this motherfucker's name is all over it. What happened? <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't know a lot of the story behind this game. To be honest. Um... I, I couldn't tell you if Kojima actually wanted to make this, if he was pushed to. The only information I have about, like, the creation of this game is I think Konami did not give him enough time to do everything that he wanted to. And that Kojima right. was very uh, persistent that he hires new voice actors to replace David Hayter. So in that, he hired Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, I don't respect Kojima in this particular part. From my understanding, he did not phone or email or anything to David Hayter. David Hayter woke up on Twitter like any other person and found out that Kiefer Sutherland is um, taking over his part. And I, Normally, yes. I'd be like, yeah, whatever, who cares? But I think it's a bit different in this case. Uh, he's literally been playing Salt Snake for over a decade at this point. Um, and not only that, the amount of uh, 
personal uh the amount of personal wealth and uh joy he put into the series Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes which is the GameCube remake of the original he personally took a pay cut from his paycheck so he can ensure all the original voice actors returned I think that's an incredibly noble thing to do um it's someone who loves the series and has tried to get it to go yeah except for mailing uh it's someone who loves the series has tried to make it come to hollywood uh has a deep appreciation for the fans does not uh hate that he was ever typecast as solid snake in any way or anything like that so i have a lot of respect for david Hayter, and it's a very big disappointment when i heard that kojima did not you know let him know in any way i think that's yeah pretty that's maybe the worst part yeah. right it's just like we're going a different direction and then like so the whole time this game is is nearing completion, Kojima and Konami are having a very public breakup that they are sick of Kojima basically just like charging up the company card and and making this game and it taking forever and they need to see Konami is basically at this point not getting out of video games but seeing that they need to more quickly move from development to putting a game out. Uh, it, it's a shitty time. They're they're making pachinko machines. They're like, oh, gambling is... We can make way more off gambling than video games. Why are we funding uh, something for this many million dollars to make this little amount of million dollars when in that same amount of time we could turn around four different projects uh, in a different entertainment area that makes us that much more money? So from Konami's point of view, it always sounded like, okay, from an art... They are done with the auteur. They are done with Kojami's... Uh, Kojima's bullshit... They they don't want to bankroll this this auteur anymore, and uh, it just became shitty from there on out. And of course, this was a very public thing that we they took his name off the game, et cetera, et cetera. Ground Zeroes came out, and people were beating it in, in five minutes. <clears throat> and that's so. Do, does the game need to exist? Absolutely not. Uh, but they have found a niche, a place where they could fit another Metal Gear Solid game, and then just like the affirmation in Cyberpunk, uh, this game is not finished. There are cutscenes left out of this game. Uh, there was meant to be a nice tight bow wrapped around this that would lead the game directly into uh, into the timeline that didn't just happen. So now now you really have like 30, 40 minutes of, of cutscenes probably that would have wrapped this up a little nicer for the Metal Gear Solid fans. And I say that because this is my favorite Metal Gear Solid game, period, outside of admitting that the narrative of Metal Gear Solid 3 is better. I like the narrative of Metal Gear Solid V more than I like Metal Gear Solid 2 oh, I, and I, 4. I couldn't disagree more, I think. And I know you will, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I understand where you're coming from because Metal Gear Solid 5 is very weird and um, there's lots of, there's definitely lots of cool moments and everything. But I've always been a person who loves... What I love about Metal Gear Solid 2, 4, 1, and 3 for that fact is uh, they explain everything. They tell you what's going on. Uh, even if it's wacky bullshit, they will explain it. Um, even if it's dumb, people are talking to each other, for the most part, like humans. In Metal Gear Solid V, it does not feel like that way to me. Venom Snake does not fucking talk to anybody. Right. Um, so, I was, that was, I was coming around to that. The Key for Sutherland thing is like, so they get, so like, a famous person that Kojima likes from shows and movies uh, agrees to do this project. And at that point, Kojima, like you said, doesn't contact David Hayter and say we're going to... He's, he's Kojima, a bit of a self-admitted star fucker, I think we could admit. Yeah. Um, he, he's like, oh, it's, it's going to be Kiefer. And either they didn't have that guy in the studio for long enough, or the performance was bad, or because this isn't 
quote-unquote big boss that let's just have him speak less. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but introducing Kiefer Sutherland here is the biggest waste. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's, only neg- there's only negative that comes from it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's especially weird because Snake is a very talkative person. In Metal Gear Solid 3, yes. he was a very talkative person. If the psychosis that Ocelot put the medic under was so successful, he should have been talking as much as Big Boss. Um, so right away, the game feels different and foreign because your main character feels, one, not confident, and two, very quiet. Uh, right. Ocelot and Miller talk in very big, grandiose statements, like, we'll make them give back our past, let the legend be reborn. Like, like this is shit that they did not really say in prior games. They are very factual. The lines that Miller has in Miller Gear Solid 1 are talking about the flora and fauna of Alaska. Ocelot's talking about how he likes guns. And in this game, everybody... He does like guns. <laughs> in, in this game, everybody's talking in very big biblical terms, especially Scarface. Um, it's a lot of metaphors, which I don't... Scarface. Fuck. Yeah, it's a lot of metaphors. Scarface, yeah. What? Is it Ghostface? I'm pretty sure it's Scarface. Scarface? I thought it was Ghostface. Let's fucking... <laughs> Is it Scar? Is it Scarface or Goldface? Skullface. Tony Montana. It's fucking Skull- Skullface. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think like yeah, like not, nothing is exp- like in the tapes. Everything's tried to explain better, but in the actual cutscenes themselves, the things that you remember, Lee, uh, the, yeah. I find the dialogue incredibly cringy. I find the characterization inconsistent. Um, I find it sure. vague at best. Uh, and that's that's not what I like. Um, you're solid. Um, the first four games establish a certain tone and way people talk and a way the script works. And this game did not follow it. And I don't think uh, they didn't replace it with anything. They just got rid of everything, which I don't like. They replaced it with more fucking gameplay and less fucking cutscenes. I am always the person who likes the black sheep of any series, as long as the uh, it's 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 moving in the correct direction of fun. Uh, which is chaos. This is the most memorable Metal Gear Solid for me. When you're being chased by those fucking guys in the desert and they're like running super quick at you. When you're fighting like 8 million tanks uh, at the end of the game and stuff like that. Just like in the insanity of this game where nothing was left on the on the cutting room floor. And that they, they stretched their legs in terms of gameplay. Yeah. Making the gameplay the weird part of this game versus making the cutscenes right uh the intriguing part but, it's the mystery of the world yeah uh, but let me throw this back at you like when i think of melgar solid and why i love this series so much i'm thinking of uh like melgar solid 3 the final cutscene with the boss saluting with big boss saluting at the boss's grave with that fucking music and eve saying she was a true patriot when i think of melgar solid and why i love the series so much i think of melgar solid 4 and you having to push Solid Snake through the microwave as you get to see all the shit you, that you did. Um, like, those moments for me are what make Metal Gear Solid so special and awesome. It's the very dramatic anime uh, stuff. Um, as, I, so, yeah. as, so, like, like the, Metal Gear Solid Five does have the best gameplay by a fucking country mile. But it does not make up for the lack of narrative, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, I like the implied narrative. I like how understated everything that happens in this game is. And people have varying thoughts on Quiet. 
most mostly to how she is represented in the game, being mostly naked. But that's all canon. She she's got photosynthesis. She that's a shitty excuse, it, Lee. We both know why. No, she's it's in as, there. it's as shitty as an excuse as a lot of the characters in Metal Gear Solid have. Yeah, where it's just like no, they 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 inject him with something and then he was a vampire. That shit's as dumb as this. So if we're gonna accept that that kind of stuff exists in the Metal Gear Solid universe, let's leave that aside. What I I then focus on is the the subtle relationship therefore and you get a dog and you get a horse and a fucking robot and all these cool companions uh and the cool thing about them is that they have um they all have their uses there's a time to use all of these uh all of these companions but i mostly stuck with quiet because her being able to snipe people uh with a with a tranquilizer gun from very far away when i didn't even have to enter the town sometimes was really really cool and then i liked what here's here's my point the narrative is executed very poorly but what is trying to be told here and what they were going for, I very much appreciate. I like the idea that you are a nobody. That people are not going to like that because this is quote-unquote Metal Gear Solid 5. This should be a spinoff. This should be the open world Metal Gear Solid V or even Metal Gear Survive, if you will. Um, but they didn't want to lead on that this is separate. They wanted you, for the most part, even though, like you said in the opening cutscene, you're basically told you are not Big Boss. And also based on the events of, of Ground Zeroes, you maybe have picked up on that. But for a lot of people, uh, it, it wasn't super black and white that you were not Big Boss in this. He's just less talkative now for whatever reason. He's old, he's tired. He doesn't want to talk about that shit anymore. Uh, but I liked then that I got to put my own influence onto the character like a silent protagonist. That I am now experiencing the world. I'm doing the things I want to do. I'm doing the missions in the order I want to do them. I'm talking to the characters I decide to interact with. Uh, so when I'm hanging out with Quiet a bunch, and then I learn Quiet's backstory, again, I think it's executed poorly, but I like the idea of this This guy is is so fucked up. He's been he's been brainwashed. He He's pretty sure he's someone else. He has a lot of their memories, let's say, via... Uh, uh, well, I just have to assume someone was sitting by his bedside telling him of his of Big Boss's accolades and stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you had sex with the following women. Like, he can't have any gaps in his mind. For the most part, this guy believes he's Big Boss and doesn't remember his past life, as far as we know, as a medic. Yeah. Um, and again, that's another thing that's established in the Metal Gear universe. So as dumb as that is, it's something that has been talked about, right. exists in other Metal Gear Solid Yeah, uh, and my problem isn't with that, like, the process of what making this character think that he's Big Boss. My problem is that, like, it's fucking stupid. Why, like, as <laughs> it's as stupid as Vamp being a character. Like, fuck it. What does this do for the right. entire series? Like, so, it doesn't do anything. No, it doesn't. But that's why I like it so much. <laughs> I like it that it's devo- it, that this character is divorced from all those actions, only he's led to believe and he's conducting himself... As if he is this person that but he's, he's not. he's not necessarily that divorced from it because he does directly relate to Metal Gear 1. He's the dude you kill at the end of Metal Gear 1. He's the guy that starts out right. Haven. Uh, and if, if he had... So you have to assume that if there was ever... If Snake failed, if Solid Snake failed, what was the next step? Would it have been all-out war between Venom and Big Boss? No, like they are still working together. That's That was, in my opinion, they were absolutely still working together. Right up that until. this guy would learn that you did this sh- this psychotic shit to me, and I'm that's, just supposed to like fall in line and be yes, your double, essentially. Yes, ex- exactly. And that's what yeah. I said in my summary, Lee, is that it's hard to explain the ending of Metal Gear Solid Five because it is a very open interpretive ending. 
that gla- right. the him punching the mirror means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So for you, right. you might think of it as Venom like being pissed off and going off to fight Big Boss, but that's not the way I interpreted it. How I did was he listens to the tape, smashes the mirror as in that motherfucker, but then he gives a smile because he's like, well, you know what? I kind of am Big Boss, aren't I? And he goes off to go fucking play the rest it's- of the games, essentially. Yeah, you go on to play the man who sold the world. Uh, so my my interpretation of that is is starkly different than yours. It's the uh, I'm it, it's the he's about to die. I read that as like Solid Snake is in the base and the showdown's about to happen, and he's realizing he's about to die for a cause that was never necessarily his own. Then why did he smile? I don't know exactly because 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 ultimately did he get to be more than he ever would have been? But it doesn't explain the smile. The man who sold the world. He got to be. This celebrity and goes, soldier. And when he goes back into the fog, his previous body is restored, so it's like going back in time. It's a very difficult ending, and a lot, like I said in my summary, fuck, there's been threads and threads and pages and pages of people trying to explain this in a definitive way, but there is no definitive way. Mm. Part, no, that's why I like it. Yeah, part, I'm not saying you're wrong either. I'm saying it's all valid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, part of me thinks that Kojima yeah. just put that into fuck with people, to be honest. <laughs> I, I like it as something that can be interpreted either way because ultimately this character will never be heard of again. This was his story. This was his like slice of pie and uh, take it or leave it. We're gonna have to wrap it up there for today. We'll be back again to talk more Metal Gear Solid 5 and I knew this was gonna be the most passionate one. I, I have very strong feelings of Quiet as a character and what they tried to do with Quiet. I think it could have been executed so much better and made this game stand out even though it is mostly divorced from the characterizations from the previous games and it, it is a spin-off what can you say uh but they they try to have their cake and eat it too i think is the summation of yeah. this game it's just like if you're gonna make a spin-off go all the fucking way if you're gonna make a spin-off and then try to tie this directly in to the games that have already happened with characters that exist there's gonna be problems and yeah. there are all right, at Iceberg Podcast is us on Twitter. Lee at Tissyiceberg.com is our email address. Send questions, topics, anything you find interesting. If we find it interesting, we might talk about it on the show. For myself, Lee, and for Reed, thanks for signing up. We'll talk to you again next week.